You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. This week, the House Armed Services Committee will debate and likely pass out its version of the National Defense Authorization Act. This is the bill that is passed each and every year. I think there's a multi-decade record of passing this legislation through the Congress that authorizes our military, sets policy for our military, and funds the necessary tools, instruments, weapon systems, body armors, uh, technologies that are needed to ensure that we never send America's bravest patriots into a fair fight, that we preserve the edge that generations before us have earned in military might and strength. And I think that's very important. While many people have heard me talk about foreign policy in realistic and honest terms uh, about where the United States needs to be engaged and where our engagement, I think, has been counterproductive, I always believe that we have to maintain a qualitative edge in our military might over everyone in the world. That is essential to global peace and order, and that's why I'm a strong supporter of military spending uh, and a military budget that reflects the dynamic challenges that we truly face. Here's the frame that I think is most important in determining whether or not a National Defense Authorization Act is consistent with my values in the world as we see it currently. I'm looking for an NDAA that acknowledges that we have real issues with the major world power of China, that near-peer adversary competition is going to be essential to American peace and prosperity and security, and that our continued involvement in skirmishes and resentments and uh, tinderboxes around the world in places like Afghanistan or Syria or Libya are distractions from the importance of maintaining the technological edge, the human edge over our near-peer adversaries, and, and I would say just most explicitly, China. Uh, I think that we've made a lot of strides in that regard, upgrading our nuclear program, uh, keeping our nuclear protection system and regime uh, as capable as it currently is today. I think that that is an area where we do need to see uh, continued investment and continued support. Uh, I also believe that an NDAA is only acceptable if it continues to provide for our military families. The military families in my community inspire my service every day. I mean, they are truly the best among us in Northwest Florida, and we cherish and value them so much, and we have so many of them. It's frankly why a lot of people choose to live in my community. You get surrounded by a bunch of patriotic Americans who believe in this country. And in times like these, trust me, I value these folks even more as constituents. Last year's NDAA was phenomenal in this regard. We were able to extend a family leave to our military service members. So important because the military bonds uh, with family are really put under a lot of pressure through these frequent deployments and uh, the intensity of the training that is necessary to maintain hair trigger readiness. So everything we can do to support that family unit I think is critically important to our war fighters and to the patriotic Americans who support them and who we value. Uh, the other thing we did was we got rid of the widow tax. 
there was this crazy interpretation of DOD policy that resulted in widows who, or I should say widowers, who lose their spouses in the line of duty having to potentially substitute some of the benefits that they had earned as a spouse from those uh, combat death benefits that would otherwise inure to their benefit. And it was just nuts that we were forcing this election when the the patriotism, the sacrifice uh, is endured in both of those circumstances by the spouse, both the loss and the, the time spent supporting that service member uh, through their, their time. And so we got rid of that in the last NDAA, ton of work with Republicans, Democrats, the Trump administration. And uh, now I think we're, we're looking to be ambitious again about what we can do for military families. So I'll be breaking down some of those components, but on the broader strategic level, remember critically important, are we moving away from being a distracted nation you know, trying to build empires out of blood and sand in the Middle East. Uh, are we moving away from that and towards that real focus to ensure that America remains free because America remains dominant and that we do not see China close the gap or ever eclipse our military strength? We had a tweet from my personal account at Matt Gates go a little more viral than usual. This one got tens of thousands of likes and comments and uh, I guess around uh, 12,000 retweets and uh, you know whenever there is like a viral tweet I don't always know that that's going to be the one that just tends to get a lot of engagement I mean sometimes I think oh man this one's a monster this is really saying something I'll throw it out there it'll get a couple dozen retweets and then there are times when I just have sort of an off-the-cuff perspective on something and we'll throw it on social media, maybe parlay, maybe I maybe I uh, parlay out uh, the uh, tweet on parlor. Maybe uh, we throw something on uh, Facebook, but, but anyhow, there's a certain concoction to the necessary elements of a viral tweet. And, and the first is there has to be at its core like an element of truth. Like if you're just putting, you know, kind of a spin out there, it's never the, it's never going to go viral. You will never see spin go viral. There is always some truth that cuts to the bone that causes people to interact, share, and respond to content. And so, like when you're out there, like hate responding to my tweets in the in the tens of thousands, as sometimes is the case. Just know how much I appreciate that you recognized that uh, that element of truth so much so that you felt the need to take your time to respond uh, and then the other element is there has to be something sort of you know interesting appealing captivating so you got to mix like the truth bomb with uh, the interest element and I, I did not know this was going to be a big winner but but here is the uh, the tweet that uh, seemed to be trending at least in the politics section for some part of of yesterday in Joe Biden's America your job is illegal you're locked in your home Borders don't exist. MS-13 lives next door. And the police aren't coming when the mob arrives. This is all of us. And then there is a tweet of this like middle-aged white couple. The dude is holding an, an AR-15 and the lady is holding a, what appears to be a pistol. And they just have a very concerned look on their face. Like, 
I mean, it's obvious they do not want to be holding these firearms and they do not want to be outside their house with these firearms. But like there is a real concern that this is now what we have come to, what may be necessary in some circumstances. So the woke left Twitter, Twitter woke world goes crazy in response because as it turns out, this is a husband wife lawyer team that has actually brought action against law enforcement for police brutality. And they put out this statement saying, we support Black Lives Matter. The folks that were causing uh, concern to our family were, were white. Um, look, I am not one to get into this back and forth because to me it doesn't matter what the race is, whether they're white rioters or black rioters or brown rioters or whatever. To me, we have to have security for prosperity. I mean, it is the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like if we become a society that is fundamentally insecure in our home, when we send our kids to the bus stop, when we go shopping, when we just interact with our fellow Americans and our fellow human beings, when that no longer becomes a safe and secure thing, then we are less capable as a society to get to the type of thought and reasoning and enlightenment perhaps that the woke left would would want us to reach right like i think we should always strive to be more aware and understanding human beings uh certainly we have done that over time that's the definition of progress but if you put people's physical security in danger then you are unable to achieve that and this no longer now is a is a debate about what the best way to achieve you know the best opportunity for an advancing society is it's like whether or not we want to have society at all or whether or not all of us is this like this couple who doesn't want to be holding firearms but in fact is doing so. Uh, that was the message I was trying to portray and it's really a question that's opened the air and I'm trying to inspire folks through my service that taking up the defense of America is a worthy and noble endeavor in these times. And I do, not I do not believe history will look back and say that the rioters and looters, the people that were like chanting outside that couple's home, were the right ones in all this. I think that history is going to appreciate the brave, patriotic Americans who stand forward and say, we have, we have a complex history. We have a history of flawed human beings. But this is a great history. This is a group of people who came to America with an ambition for a, a human society that would tolerate freedom of religion, that would be egalitarian to, to people in a way that had not existed before in the old world, that would resist colonialism in really the most successful way that colonialism had, had been resisted at that point in history. A resistance that would inspire other rejections of colonialism, right? But but we don't want to appreciate that because we have to adopt this notion of great grievance. And that grievance makes people angry and it makes them do violent things sometimes. And we should not think that we just have to tolerate that. Uh, we, we don't have to. This is a great society with a great history and the patriots are the ones fighting for it. President Trump is under arrest in Iran, apparently. Uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran has issued an arrest warrant for President Trump over the drone strike that killed Qasem Soleimani. So the night that Trump issues the order to kill Soleimani, I'm with the president at Mar-a-Lago. He's there having dinner. Uh, we're chatting about 
the importance of resetting deterrence in the region. And it was directly after uh, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and two scoops of ice cream with the president that I went on Shannon Bream's show and provided this frame for the killing of Soleimani. I am no cheerleader for war with Iran. The president has shown amazing restraint when it comes to Iran. Remember, there were people who wanted the president to respond aggressively militarily when Iran shot down a drone or when they were engaged in activities in the Straits of Hormuz. But the president was very clear that if there was harm to Americans, that he would respond not with proportionate response, but with overwhelming force. And that is what we've seen occur here. I support the president's decision. Soleimani was one of the leading destabilizing forces in the Middle East, and he's really the architect of the genocidal strategy that we saw at play in Syria. So I believe the world will be a better place without Soleimani. In. And so now Iran's attorney general uh, has, I guess, placed 36 people uh, under the arrest powers of Iran trumping at the top of the list but he he claims trump would be prosecuted as soon as he stands down from the presidency so i guess in a way uh, iran's justice department is treating the president perhaps better than our own did uh, at the beginning of his first term i mean i i don't know if anyone's told iran this but our deep state has already tried this and failed and they're probably better than the iranian deep state uh so I'm not too worried that the president is uh, going to be turning himself over anytime soon to the Iranians. He made the right decision to kill Soleimani. Our position is stronger in the Middle East as a consequence, and we're less likely to go to war as a consequence. I do not favor some new forever war with some new Middle Eastern country. Iran's just not worth it. Uh, but at the same time, I think that you've got to draw a red line. And unlike the Obama administration, you got to be willing to enforce it. The president did that in Syria and then got us the hell out. And that now as a consequence of Soleimani being taken off the battlefield, the Iranians have less infrastructure to be a malign influence. And it didn't take some invasion of Tehran. It didn't take, you know, thousands of troops spending, you know, months of, of deployments and then doing it, you know, tens of times over and over again. It took effective technology, the exquisite reach of U.S. lethality, and the strong leadership of President Trump. Our good friend and Fox News' Martha McCallum had Black Lives Matter Greater New York Chairman Hawk Newsom on the story. Listen to what he had to say. It's terrifying. You said, burn it down. You said, burn it down. It's time. So that makes me think I, that, I you wanna, it's, that you want to that you want to burn time. it down. I said if this country, if this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right, and I could be speaking phys phys uh, figuratively. Okay. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. Like, let's be very real. And, and, and let's observe the history of the 1960s. When black people were rioting, we had the highest growth in wealth and property ownership. Think about the last few weeks. Since we started protesting, 
Uh, there have been eight cops fired across the country. You remember they were telling us that there was due process. That's why the cop that choked Eric Gardner to death had kept his job and make, get, received raises for five years. Anytime a cop hurt a woman, hurt a child, hurt pregnant people, hurt our elders, there was always a call for due process. You must wait. You must wait. But the moment people start destroying property, now cops can be fired automatically. What? What? What is this country uh, rewarding? What behavior is it listening to? Obviously not marching, but when people get aggressive and they escalate their their protests, the you country like listens, cops get fired. Now you have okay. now you have police officers, you have Republican politicians talking about police reform. I don't condone nor do I condemn rioting, but I'm just telling you what I observe. You're seeing you're saying that in that, that that's what appears to be working and getting results. He believes our country was built on violence that it's justified. I mean, did, did this strike you as someone who was eager to hear where the newest opportunity zone would be created? Uh, did it strike you as someone who would be less likely to support harm to other people if we invested more in histo historically black colleges and universities? You know, is it, uh, do, you, do you think this guy could, could break down the intricacies of prison reform? You know, no, I mean, what we are facing right now is in in some cases, not in every case, not with every protester, but in terms of the leadership that is benefiting from millions upon millions of dollars from corporate America, uh, is, is a desire to see people harmed through violent revolution. And I don't say that to get people to do anything to hurt their fellow Americans of any reason. I would never want that to happen. There's no reason for political violence of any kind in this country from any side. We've got a great country. And if we will all love the country, then we won't feel the need to hurt each other over politics so much. But this guy is not the solution to a greater understanding of one another and to any sense of unity. And it's a shame that so many in corporate America continue to fund this kind of garbage. Thanks everyone for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates, and thank you especially for the reviews you leave, the ratings you give. Helps us move up the podcast ranking so more people are able to interact with our content, which is ultimately the goal. So uh, I wanted to address one issue. Uh, we had one commenter say, hey, when are we going to get back to talking about deficits and financial responsibility? And then we had another commenter say, what do we do to get the Republican Party passed just talking about deficits? So on the question of deficits and spending, uh, I do believe that this generation of leadership, Republican and Democrat, is going to be judged harshly for allowing our fiscal situation to get so out of whack. Uh, at the same time, I understand that the reason that you maintain a strong dollar, the reason you do so much to preserve your status as the global reserve currency is so that at a time of pandemic, at a time when you have to render elements of the economy illegal for some portion of time, that you're able to make provision for your people. Uh, I believe in making provision for our people over this policy of spending gazillions of dollars trying to go and like liberate the world. Uh, while that has not been a successful strategy during like the Bush, Clinton, Obama years, and, and then also just letting anyone come into the country 
I mean, you know, I, I just think if we were to provide provision for our people, we would be able to do so and we wouldn't have such extensive spending uh, if we were to have, uh, I think, some adjustment on those edges of public policy. So I think there there is a, a right focus on it, but I think that the focus is not just like what beans can you move from one category to another. It's about what you envision is the role of government. And I don't want a government that drives decisions in people's lives. I don't think that we make better decisions in Washington, D.C. than we do in in Tallahassee or Albany or Sacramento. Well, probably we probably make them better than Sacramento, but and maybe even Albany, heck. But in most of the state legislatures around the country, I think there's decent governing and a lot of contribution from local government. And uh, but we've seen Washington grow, you know, over both parties and we've seen spending grow. And we're not going to be able to count on the folks that are in like their 70s and 80s in Congress to fix this, right? But the problem is the young people that are going to bear the challenges uh, of the spending that we're on are not the ones that are running the committees because it's a seniority-based system. So there needs to be some disruption in the way we approach um, generational issues. And I look forward to being a part of it with some of the new crop that we got coming in. Let's help serve the country.